0: what the topic of today's video is. Just a simple topic about smaller deals and uh, financing for smaller deals. So the problem with smaller deals is really on the bridge loan side, right? There's a bunch of programs on the agency side for small balance loans, you know, Fannie Small, Freddie SBL, and you know, they've really got that down and they've figured a way to originate uh, these small loans and still keep the transaction costs low relative to the loan size and the spread is is very good so it's a great loan product and it keeps the market competitive the trouble is with bridge loans um, uh, you know bridge loans that are less than 5 million are very tricky and the price it's, it's a step it doesn't even move kind of linearly or, or, or in, inversely right as the loan gets smaller it doesn't move linearly in, in the rising Costs tr- both transaction and interest rate for a small bridge loan. It's 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 just a step. It's almost you know you've got the lenders that are willing you know that your typical CLO lenders that are willing to do five million plus loans, ten million plus loans, fifteen million plus. Obviously pricing is fantastic uh, and gets better the bigger the loan is. So on the bridge loans that are three million dollar bridge, four, five million dollar bridge, that's very cuspy. Um, that's where things get tricky because you might go from you know, if the loan were just a little bit larger, you'd get a bridge loan for, uh, you know, L plus 375, L plus 400. But then if it's just half a million smaller and you can't find a typical, you know, cheaper CLO lender, then you're gonna be paying uh, 5%, 6% or more to get that same loan. And uh, what I've also seen for these smaller bridge loans is the uh, leverage is worse not exactly sure why. I think it's just because they, they can, right? It's not as competitive a market, and, and I get it too, right? You're, you're out here, your business has to be volume by nature because you're originating small loans, and so just to protect yourself, you max out at lower leverage because you, you can't underwrite every single deal perfectly and, and, and su- size to max leverage. So I've also noticed that. So you get less leverage, pay more on the rate, and it really, I mean, obviously, just with those two things, absolutely kill a deal. So those cuspy deals are really interesting. And, you know, obviously that makes you want to go perm as much as you can for smaller deals, because if you are trying to finance something with a three, $4 million bridge loan, you know, you very well could be stuck with that higher rate. And then, like I said, it kills the deal. So the deal is not transactable, Uh, doesn't make sense. Or you need a price discount from the seller. And obviously that's not happening much these days. So with that in mind, there's not really a solution if you have a deal that, it, it kind of goes back to the original premise, and this is something that we've been saying for a long time, which is that you, you, know, you really should only be doing a bridge loan if the deal really justifies the bridge. And how does a deal justify a bridge? Well, it needs to have enough value creation, but not just value creation, because you could overpay for that value creation. You need to actually have a high enough return on cost that is greater than the market cap rate, so that way you can actually exit the bridge and refi into a perm loan, right? And that's all. That's that's the exit test, the refinance exit test. So at the end of the day, that's what determines the appropriateness of a bridge loan, not necessarily how much you're raising rents or how much capex you're spending. How much capex you're spending does play a role in our decision making about a bridge loan, because even if a deal is stabilized and we could go perm, you know, if we're spending 10k a unit, and that's resulting in our all-in leverage or loan to cost being 60, 65, you know, we probably are gonna to wanna to go bridge just because that's not an optimally financed deal in our opinion, we like more leverage. So that way we maximize leverage returns, maximize tax benefits per, per dollar of equity. So so it's important to optimize leverage, not necessarily maximize leverage, right? And make sure that the financing matches the deal. So, so on the small balance, right, you could be in a position where you're stuck. And honestly, I think, you you might just have to pass on the deal right if it can't go perm but but the bridge is too expensive so that is your you know one of your only options and then like I said the other option is to really seek out those deals that actually justify a bridge and then the thing is with the small balance deals it has to be even more so just it has to even more justify the bridge because the bridge is that much more expensive and you know potentially that much less attractive so so that's the trouble there, and right, and and maybe the argument could be made that for smaller deals, there's less efficiency and there's more upside. You've got less sophisticated owners that you can buy from, and you know, really solve for higher returns, which can then justify that more. You know, you can essentially afford the more expensive bridge loan, but uh, that is tricky. So, I think if you're in this predicament and you want to do a bridge loan deal and you're on, in that cuspy range, you know, just make sure that you. Uh, Do a slightly larger deal so that way you can make it happen. Or maybe you can do two smaller properties in one portfolio loan so that way it puts you into a larger loan category and you can get access to more favorable lending terms. Or you can just pay more so that the leverage is more and then you get a a, a bigger loan. (laughs) Just kidding. So yeah, those are my thoughts there about small balance bridge loans and how that affects your underwriting, your pricing, your business plan and and why you may want to avoid them altogether. Uh, Thanks for watching.